welcome to CQ for Global Leaders. Join cross-cultural leadership expert, Dr. Tom Vergus, as he offers perspectives and strategies on the issues affecting global leaders in the ever-changing world of global business. Hi, this is Tom Vergus. Welcome to the podcast. And again, I have Dr. Jürgen Strauss joining me. Hi, Tom. Good to be back again. Indeed. And today we're going to dig deeper on CQ knowledge, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So what what are the aspects of CQ knowledge? You talk about nine. I know there's other people talk about more, but you've kind of built these nine nine Dimensions. Dimensions, that's the word I'm looking for, so tell us more about it. So, as I mentioned in my earlier podcast, the largest study done was by a Dutch anthropologist, Dr. Gerd Hofstede. Mm -hmm. He came up with five dimensions, and then someone called Franz Champenaus came up with seven wonderful dimensions, and then there was a Malay academic called Asma Abdullah, who came up with also a certain number of dimensions more within the Asian context. So, I've kind of merged merged them all and came up with a model that has nine dimensions of culture. Mm -hmm. Okay, So, like all models, like all models, I love the quote of uh, Edward Deming who said, you know, models are useful because they help us understand things and they're wrong. Yeah. So, I think he said all models are useful and all models are wrong. All of them. I think he said all. But they're all useful. They're all useful. So, that's what it is. It's just a way of actually understanding something. So, I've come up with nine dimensions. And and again, it's just a way of thinking about uh, your your own culture, really. Where do you sit? If you think about it as a continuum, where do I sit on it? And then, where do the people I work with or interact with? travel to where do they sit on that mm -hmm. so what are the nine dimensions so the first one is actually called relationship and task so in certain cultures you there is a great emphasis on building relationships before we get the job done mm. versus other cultures where let's get the job done and then in the process if we build a relationship great yeah but we don't need the relationship okay to get the task done so let me just give you again a quick example of that uh, I had a client who was the head of IT here, here in, in Melbourne, and she had her team in Manila. So she used to go over once a month, take time uh, with them. And, you know, she's what we typically call a type A personality, you know, driven, ambitious, fast. One of those people who spent 20 minutes eating lunch at her desk. Mm. And, of course, as you know, you're based, you know, yeah. you've been spent time in the Philippines. You know, Philippines lunch is important. That's right. right? An hour, hour and a half. Mm. It always tends to be hot food. Mm. Uh, and so when she was there, she'd be taken out for lunch. And the people would ask her questions like, you know, are you married? Aren't you married? What's your husband doing? What's his name? What's your kids? You know, like mm. what things that she found, in fact, quite personal, personal yeah. questions. A little intrusive. A little intrusive, mm. yeah. However, she was intrigued enough and in the work together when she started understanding that, that really those were questions as a way of building the relationship. They wanted to get to know you as a person. Yeah. She then shifted her whole mode of operation. So she started then saying to herself, okay, it's going to take an hour and a half for lunch. I'm going to allow for that rather than getting annoyed yeah. with it. And she, she started asking questions about them. So, you know, what do your husbands do? What do your wives do? How's the church choir doing? Mm. How's the local soccer team? And so she started, in fact, showing interest you know, in the team. 
And within three months, they had reduced the attrition rate there, mm. uh, you know, by more than 30%. And at the Christmas function that they held, which is where families and friends and all those are invited, she was handed more than 25 different resumes mm. for people who wanted to work in the team. Yeah. yeah, because suddenly the relationship was with her, they really liked her, you know, and of course goes without saying that the results that she started getting out of the team really outstanding. Mm. So that's the first dimension. Yeah. Okay. So it's important then to know whether the culture you're working in is, is a little bit more slanted to relationship or to task. Or task. Mm. Yeah. And then adjust accordingly. Mm. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, we want to get the task done. Mm. But as a leader, what's the most effective way of doing that? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. The second dimension is uh, harmony and control. Mm-hmm. So in harmony-based cultures, you know, people believe that... Uh, one as an individual, there are external forces that uh, impact my life. So, in other words, there I have only certain number of things I can control. So, people who come from harmony-based cultures tend to believe in concepts such as feng shui, mm. a karma, mm. a destiny, mm. uh, the stars. You know, like the, the things beyond us. Mm. Okay. Uh, what we call an external locus of control. Yeah. On the other aspect, cultures who have high control believe that I am master of my destiny. Yeah. If it's to me, it's up to me. me, Right? So again, two different uh, extremes. Mm. And how does that kind of uh, play out? So I I talk about this in in my book where um, many, many years ago, we had a client in Pakistan who was uh, really trying to get all their truck drivers to wear seatbelts. It was really difficult to do that because truck drivers kind of said, oh, you know, look, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. What difference is going to piece of clock going to make, et cetera. But we, uh, and they kept saying, no, it's obviously bad for occupational health and safety. <laughs> in fact, the share price, you know, people yeah. die. <laughs> that had no impact. Yeah. Uh, so we changed the narrative. Mm. And, and the narrative was really around, um, you know, how do we uh, maintain a sense of harmony with the mm. environment, right? How do we maintain a sense of, you know, thinking about families and, you know, within a broader concept. Mm. How do we preserve our life? And that, that changed the narrative and that shifted. Hmm. I could imagine that with the, those two um, or that scale of between um, harmony and control that the people that are much more focused on control then get really stressed out on things because there are stuff that's out of our control. Driving here this morning and it started raining and you know it became more treacherous to drive. Well, that was out of my control, so I needed to respond to that. Yes, and you can respond by being angry or stressed about it, or you can respond by saying, "Well, it is what it is," which is kind of more harmony. Harmony, and I will adjust my behaviour to adapt to that. Yeah. So that's a great good example of being able to work across. Mm. Right, which is really what we're trying to do. So it's about cultural agility. Yeah. It's about being agile. Mm. You may have a preference, but how do I also know when to flex? Mm. Mm. The third dimension is shame and guilt, mm. where shame is much more group-oriented. So shame, people who grow up in shame-based cultures, 
will hear things from their parents saying, well, don't do that because that will bring shame to our family mm. or don't dress like that uh, because, you know, what, what would other people say? Mm. So it's that concept of what would other people say. Mm. Whereas in more guilt-oriented cultures, it's not so much more what other people, it's about you. What, what would you think? How do you feel about it? If you think you're comfortable with that, then go right ahead and do that. So, you know, not, not having that focus around what others think. Mm. So is that more an individual, individualistic societies? Compared to also collectivists, collectivist. yeah, so yeah. that kind of falls into, into space. So in fact, we know here in Australia we have a tremendous number of international students who come, and if you look at all the universities, one of the biggest complaints that academics will make with international students, especially who come from uh, Asia, is that they don't speak up. Mm-hmm. Right, they don't challenge, they don't put their hands up, they don't volunteer, uh, etc. And apart from the language issues, etc., what a key uh, aspect is that I'm not going to put my hand up and volunteer a response because I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. And if I'm wrong, I bring shame, I bring shame to myself because I lose face, mm-hmm. bring shame to my team, etc. Mm-hmm. So there are other ways on how you can build a response, but that I think is a, is a way to think about it mm. on how do we, especially for those of us who like interactive presentations, mm. when you're working in parts of the world where shame is important, you need to change the structure of how you get interaction. Mm. Mm. That's a really great example, yeah. The next one is collectivism and individualism, which is what you had mentioned before, group orientation versus individual orientation. So, uh, Japan, for instance, is one of the most collectivist countries in the world. Uh, Japanese parents will say to their kids when they're growing up, the nail that sticks up will get beaten down. Uh, The duck that makes the most amount of noise will get shot shot down, (laughs) right? So blend in. So it's all about blending in, being part of the group, right? I'll give up my own individual needs for the needs of the group. Mm. Whereas individualistic cultures... United States, one of the most individualistic cultures in the world, Australia, uh, parents will say this to their kids, stand up mm. and be counted. Mm. The squeaky door. Gets the, gets the, gets the grease, grease, gets the oil. Mm. So, you know, make, yeah. make some noise, draw some attention to yourself if you want things done. And that, of course, also has an impact on how we present Mm. ourselves uh, into the group. And that is a, it's actually a, a key dimensional difference of cultures, of group orientation. I mean, so you find people who come from collectivist cultures tend to, for instance, travel together, love traveling together, and uh, tend to work, go together in groups, uh, etc. Whereas individualistic cultures are happy to, you know, backpack on their own, mm. etc. Yeah. Yeah. yeah has an impact on reward systems, how you remunerate, mm. how all has an impact on all that. And as a leader, we need to be thinking about mm. those things. Yeah, that's a fascinating one. And it probably has a whole lot of deeper levels too, because you mentioned Australia as an individual, individualistic society, and yet we have this tall poppy syndrome yes. here in Australia. Yes. So if you do stand out, it's like... You get shut down, yes. The flower cut off. Correct, correct. So one of the things about the tall poppy syndrome is that people then think, oh, you know, in Australia, we don't like success. That's not the case. Hmm. Actually, we do like success in Australia. And Australia, as a, as a rule, tends to punch above its weight. Hmm. You know, it's that term that's used as such for a small, uh, for a small country. Think of the sporting achievements, hmm. uh, for instance, that Australia has made. 
I think though here that what people do not like is uh, the gloating. Mm. So like you know we want you to do well, but don't do well and make a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Right? Don't boast. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Don't boast. Yeah. Be kind of humble and mm. keep a level of uh, humility within you. Then it's okay. Mm. So that that's the difference there. The uh, next uh, dimension is religious and secular. So religious cultures are cultures where religion is very much in, uh, intertwined with uh, daily living. So you know people are comfortable to talk about prayer times, and church, or religion. It's very it's very inclusive. So and for instance, uh, as an example, countries in the Arab cluster would change their opening and shutting times based on Ramadan, yeah. right? And uh, if you were visiting there, you would be discouraged from eating because that's mm. not what they're yeah. doing. Whereas secular cultures, your work and your religion are completely separate. Uh, you know, your religion is your business. I don't have to talk to you about it. Mm. And, uh, you, know, you are feel free to, to, to worship or not worship. And, or not have any faith at all. Mm. Completely comfortable if one is an atheist. Yeah. Uh, which in religious culture, it would be difficult. Even if you were an atheist, it would be difficult to talk about it. Mm. And also, you, you get exposed very quickly because people are talking about yes. religion. Yeah. And so all of a sudden you end up being an outsider because either you're not talking about it or you're not part of that. Correct. Correct. Moving along then, you're going to, the next one is hierarchy and equality. And we touched on this before uh, in the previous podcast. Mm. Uh, on In hierarchical cultures, we value things like uh, titles, age, qualifications, status, mm. because people growing up in hierarchical cultures believe that, cult, that uh, society is vertical. Yeah. So we need to move up if we can. And whereas equality-based cultures believe that that the society is horizontal. So it doesn't mean everybody is equal. I mean, there's still obviously tiers, but it's, uh, you know, um, it, it's different. So I, I, I worked with, a, with an organization, actually, who was, uh, they were a Swedish company. And the organizational chart was fascinating because in India, they, they had eight levels, mm-hmm. right? Uh, whereas in Sweden, there was only three. Yeah. And very wide. <laughs> so, but, you know, for me, that was an example of an organization that was culturally agile. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting example with the, um, how it plays out in organizations and with the organizational structure. As well. Because some of the modern high-tech organizations are trying completely different models of organizational structure yes. of course then then in a way they challenge the cultural norms of wherever they might be they do yes and that can that can create problems yeah 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 in hierarchical cultures uh, titles are important hmm. people will move from one company to another if I get a better title, title yeah. which, you know, if one is coming from an equality or egalitarian-based culture, sometimes it makes it difficult to understand. Mm. The next one is polychronic and monochronic, and this is our attitude towards time. Mm-hmm. So uh, in uh, polychronic cultures, the belief is that there's plenty of time. 
Yeah. So, you know, you got to be in the moment. Um, so relax, multitask, it doesn't matter. You can walk into an office, the person can be walking on the computer, talking on the phone, uh, interrupt the meetings. You know, meeting is supposed to start at 9 o'clock, it's at 9.15, 9.20. When everybody comes, I invite you to ask for dinner at 7, you turn up at 8, 8.30, mm. and then we'll eat. Yeah. Whereas in monochronic cultures, um, you are on time. Mm. As I'm sure you would know, coming That's from right. a Germanic it's background. Very right? monochronic. Yeah. Monochronic. Oh. Yeah, very monochronic. So meeting someone started at nine, we start at nine, I invite you to my house for dinner at seven, you turn up at seven, in fact you probably turn up at five to yeah, seven and right. park outside. Yeah. <laughs> wait until wait until the, <laughs> the correct time. Second hand it's twelve. Yeah. And then the day on the button. Yeah. So and of course as you can appreciate that creates issues hmm. in you know, which timing uh, do we use? And that's always a fun example, which you can always create lots of different stories and examples from mm. people from that. The next one is high and low context of communication. So it's about communication styles. Mm -hmm. In uh, high context cultures, it's not just the words. It's actually your nonverbal. It's your visual, your tonality, the pitch of your voice. So in other words, it's the whole message. Mm. In low context cultures, we tend to very much be focused more on what we say. So I mean what I say, and I say what I mean. Mm -hmm. So the words are much more uh, succinct and and to to the point, right? So that then creates uh, different styles of communication mm -hmm. and how we kind of uh, do that. And as you can appreciate, that creates can create dramas because that is the fundamentals of all human interactions yeah. about how we communicate. So does that mean there's um, the um, communication style that is more aware of the, or it, the, the cultural uh, cultures that are more aware of the non-verbal language, they're just more attuned to that? Because, yes. I mean, we're all communicating verbal and non-verbal. Yeah, so in high-context cultures, people are much, much more attuned to understanding the what's not being said, mm. the unspoken, mm. uh, you know, how do we speak in an obtuse way or how do we, sometimes the term is about indirect communication, mm -hmm. circular mm. Yeah. communication styles, and you pick it up. So circular, to, talking to other circular will pick up the same message or someone who's talking to somebody who's direct from a circular culture, the direct people go like, what are they getting? I wish they get to the point. <laughs> So, you know, it creates a lot of frustration. Yes. You can appreciate. Yeah. Hmm. But hey, keeps consultancies like myself employed. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a good thing. Which is a good thing. Hmm. Absolutely. And the final aspect is femininity and masculinity, which, you know, I mean, the term itself, uh, it's, it's really around attributes hmm. in uh, society that's valued. So, Cultures that are more on the feminine scale uh, tend to value a lot more cooperation, uh, dialogue, flexible work, work-life balance, discussions, etc. Uh, countries which score very high on the feminine scale are Sweden, Denmark, or well, Nordic countries. Mm. Whereas cultures who are much more masculine, you know, the, the values they look at are things like uh, assertiveness, having a point of view, being able to argue a point. Um, Lots of sporting analogies used mm. in meetings, uh, etc. So those be absolutely Australia tends to be more masculine. Mm. Korea 
tends to be more masculine, etc. So those are the nine dimensions. Huh? They're really quite a fast one. Uh, but I think, I hope the, the listener gets, uh, a, you know, at least a flavor, an idea mm. of those dimensions. Yeah, that's a really good outline. Now, what, what should the listener take away from today's episode? What's, what's the uh, reflection point you'd like to give them? I think the reflection point is, again, uh, assessing on where do I sit on the dimensions, mm. right? So what's my preference? And I know some of these people say, oh, I'm both. Yeah. Or, you know, you can be both, but you have a preference. Yeah, yeah. So where's so the sliding scale? That's right. It's, it's not, it's not black and white, is it? No. It's a where's the default. And, of course, in every culture, you will have people on either ends uh, of it. Mm. But you find uh, when we talk about the cultural mirror, you, mirror, you can actually map countries. Mm-hmm. And I talk about that in my book, The Invisible Elephant. You know, we talk about where countries kind of sit. And that's a model, but that doesn't mean everybody's in that in that kind of map. But that's um, uh, a map of where people sit. There will be also people on the other side. But there is a general rule, mm. right? Like if you think again of the bell curve, that's how we all tend to, most of us tend to operate. And even if you do not know, do not like the rules, you know the rules. Yeah. So when you're part of that culture, you know you know what it is. Mm. So reflect on where you are, and then if you think about Perhaps issues that you may have had with people or other cultures, perhaps this gives you a little bit more insight. Hmm. Yeah, and perhaps think about where that culture fits on the on the nine on the dimension of the mirror. Hmm. Great, great. Thanks, Tom. Welcome, Yoga. See you next time. See you next time. Yeah. Bye now. Thanks for joining us on CQ for Global Leaders. To find out more or contact us go to culturalsynergies.com.